an hour of truth for the battered but proud people of the Empire State. From the financial and entertainment epicenter of New York City to the sleeping and empty small cities and towns of upstate, which once bustled with manufacturing, mining, and farming. We all know from inspiration, history, and nature, we deserve a return to the success and growth of generations past, a birthright being squandered by corruption in Albany, and the depredations of an insecure, scheming mountebank posing as governor, who loathes both us and himself. As liberty beckoned to enslaved peoples behind the Iron Curtain via American broadcasts after World War II, we now say, believe, rise, and join us. Welcome to Radio Free New York. Hey guys, welcome to Radio Free New York. I'm your host, and today we've got uh, Bob Savage here with us as well. Well, safe distance away you do. Yeah, yeah, we we uh we took that three foot rule and we certainly applied it. So, well, uh, and then some because we're nowhere near; we're miles apart. So, and not only that, you know, it's just an electronic association. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I'm I'm in Rochester, Bob's in Avon. Um, so we've certainly met our three foot rule quota for the day. I think. Mm-hmm. I think even Cuomo would approve at least of the distance, if not the programming. But uh, but we digress. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so before we kick off the show, I do have an announcement for you guys. Um, you guys have heard me over the last week or two talking about getting petitions signed to help get candidates on the ballot. And uh, I've been stressing to you guys how important that is, um, whether you're registered libertarian, conservative, Republican, Democrat, independents, Green, Sam. Uh, I'm sure I'm missing some party out there. Um, Governor Cuomo has actually changed the requirements and changed the dates. No way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we kind of knew this was probably coming. Um, To be honest, I I think the way that he changed it was probably fair, um, which is something I don't say very often about him. (laughs) So, you know, uh, I I hold the right, though, to change my mind later. Um, But the... The petitioning was supposed to end, I believe, the 28th or the 30th of this month. It's actually ending tomorrow night. So it's being shut down um, about 10 or 11 days early. And the number of signatures that candidates need to get to be on the ballot um, have been reduced down to 30%. So it's been reduced by 70%, um, which I believe should give candidates... um, enough buffer to still get themselves on the ballot however if uh if your candidate has been slacking and leaving stuff to the very last minute um or if you as somebody who wanted to sign a petition have left things to the last minute there might be some campaigns that's going to be tight that's going to be close so i would really recommend you reach out to your local county committees um this is a statewide thing so monroe county is not the only one impacted Um, reach out to your committees, find out if there's candidates who need signatures, and try to meet up with them today. Uh, Tomorrow, 5 p.m. is the deadline. So if you want to help a candidate get on the ballot, all you got to do is sign. Uh, It's now or never, guys. Wow. That's a really tight uh, time frame. Isn't that, I mean, you're talking about basic essential fairness. Doesn't that violate that? Um, I, I don't know if it does or if it doesn't, to be honest, because all of the candidates have had the same amount of time to collect signatures. 
So, but but the, the one... but the deadline's been moved way up. Yeah, no, and that that's totally true. So the deadline has been moved, but I think to be fair to that, um, they reduced the requirement down by 70% to make up for that. And I, I think that we've had maybe 60% of the time for collection. Um, so I, I think it's actually, a lot of people were speculating that it would be reduced by 50%. It was reduced by 70%. So I I think, and, and somebody might have better numbers than me, but I, I think it might be um, actually a lot easier for candidates to get on the ballot this time compared to other times. But I could be wrong. Somebody could have numbers and and uh, prove me wrong. That's just my gut feeling based on uh, the amount of time given. Um, so with, with that being said, I just wanted to make sure that you guys were aware of that, that you guys knew that. If you do want to get a candidate on the ballot, uh, today is the day. Reach out to them. Uh, try to get your signature on one of those forms so they can witness it to get your candidates on the ballot. Um, and if you may have seen Cuomo just wrapped up an address, they are asking rest or well, I don't think they're asking at no. this point. No, they're ordering uh, <laughs> restaurants, movie theaters, um, and, bars. and some yeah, bars. They they are shutting down today as of eight p.m. Um, there are some minor exceptions to that. We're actually going to talk about it during the show because we're going to talk about how uh, technology can kind of like impact this, some of the economic impacts. Um, but you should all be aware grocery stores are still going to be open as best they can. Gas stations are still going to be open as best they can. Um, any like essential services will be open but restaurants, bars, movie theaters, um, they're closing down at 8. Bob, are there any others that you're aware of? Uh, health club. Did I say gyms? Gyms, oh, health gyms. clubs. Yeah. Yep, gyms, health clubs, that sort of thing. They're closing down. Um, casinos. And, yes, yes, the casinos. Now, I, I will point out that people said uh, it's not bad until the casinos shut down. <laughs> and, uh, well, I I don't know uh, where where that stands in terms of if the casinos wanted to shut down or not. I'm not sure if they were even full or not, um, but the casinos are also being shut down. And that is until further notice. So there's no set date. Um, there's no set time frame. That is um, until the governor says otherwise, essentially. So that is, uh, that, that is that update. I just wanted to make sure everybody was aware of that. Um, definitely check call ahead if you're going to go somewhere. Something that, that is really simple, especially if you don't want to waste a, a trip somewhere, is, um, you know, say you are going to a grocery store, you can call ahead and ask them if they have what you're looking for in stock. Um, I've done that on every trip I've done so far. It's been very effective. You know, I've had to call maybe four or five Wegmanses before, uh, before getting out there just to make sure that they have what I'm looking for. Um, so just, just kind of another thing there that, uh, save you some time, save you some frustration. I know things are getting a little crazy out there. Um, but that actually kind of lines up very well with what today's topic is going to be. Uh, today's topic, I want to talk about, um, maybe something a little different. I don't know. Maybe some other people are talking about this, but I want to talk today about the positive takeaways we'll have from coronavirus. Um, things I'm seeing happening in the community, things I'm seeing happening in businesses, um, some political things that are happening, social things that are happening. Um, I think that uh, is 
as this goes through, um, and I don't know what the right thing to call this. It, Bob, would we call this a crisis? Do you think this is is this worthy of being labeled a crisis? Maybe it's a crisis. Uh, I, I think it's a crisis in in uh, in public confidence. Uh, but I, I really, you know, you, you, you take a look and you put all this in perspective. We've had seventy eight deaths <clears throat> from uh, highly susceptible people. Uh, I I believe that the median age of the people who've passed away from coronavirus is 80, meaning as many people older than 80 as younger than 80 have, uh, have been infected uh, fatally with this. Uh, we have, we've had 22,000 flu deaths this season. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, I think, um, you know, something I talk about often is that uh, perception is truth. And we can explore that a little bit more. But I think, uh, you know, in general, when I look at this situation, I, I look at um, how society is reacting to it. And even if we as individuals know that maybe the coronavirus isn't as dangerous as it appears to be, um, since people are reacting as if it is in society, that kind of creates the truth of what we're living today. Another interesting stat that we pass along is as recently as Friday, 19% of coronavirus cases nationally were classified as critical. That's down to 7% now. Oh, wow. No, that's great. That's that's really good. Actually, it's interesting because I was trying to figure out what the numbers were, and I thought as of yesterday they were around 6 or 7%. So I'm glad to hear that that is indeed the case. All right, guys, we are going to take our first break here of the hour. When we come back, we're going to talk about some positive takeaways from coronavirus. And then uh, if we get to it, maybe we'll talk about some fun things you can do while stuck at home with family and friends. We'll be back in a moment on Radio Free New York. You're listening to Radio Free New York. All right. Welcome back to Radio Free New York. I'm your host, Andrew Hollister. And uh, today we're just talking about some positive takeaways that we can take from coronavirus. Um, because that's not really what's on the news right now. Um, and uh, But I, I think there are. I think there are some very good positive takeaways. Some of them are political. Some of them are community-based. Um, some of them uh, relate to small businesses, our education system, a, a whole number of things. And I think that it's important that when we go through a time of crisis or concern, um, that, that we look at the situation and make sure that we understand the things that, um, that we can take away, that we can become better from or how we might become better during this. Um, so the first thing I'll hit is the, the political stuff, because that, that's kind of easy for this show, right? Um, so, so I'll take away this one, and, and Bob, I, I think you'll appreciate it. Um, during one of Cuomo's recent live streams, he actually admitted that centralized control is not the answer. If only he meant that. <laughs> yeah, if only. And he actually went into a pretty in-depth argument against centralized control, um, which which was very surprising, to be honest. A little hard to reconcile that with his actions. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. But he, he went as far to say um, that centralized control is um, inefficient, ineffective, and slow. So um, I, was, I was pretty surprised to hear that come from him. 
Um, he he did defend centralized control just a little bit, saying that yeah. um, centralized control can be good for quality control when you want all the things to happen exactly the same with the exact same outcome. Um, but that in general, especially with dealing with things like the FDA, the the standard I, that the way the FDA is running things and centralized control is slowing things down and they need to be like more efficient and the way to do that is to allow states to do their own thing um and you guys know i've been beating the drum for localization for a long time so i just can't wait for the opportunity to say hey you know cuomo um you you really had a just really compelling argument uh, to reduce centralized control, and I'd love to see that happen in New York on the county level and allow counties to be more efficient, less slow, and less costly as well. Um, I, I'm sure he'll disagree. I would admonish you to be careful. Uh, Cuomo is an absolute, you know, dyed-in-the-wool, forever progressive, and they are not above telling you stuff that is they, they don't really believe. Oh, sure. No, Absolutely. Um, and, and I think it's convenient for him because he was saying that in terms of a federal agency, because he wants all the power he can possibly have in eliminating some of the centralized control the federal government uh, gives him the most power he can get in New York. Yeah, I mean, you put this broadly in the same category as remember how Kirsten Gillibrand told us she was a big Second Amendment advocate? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I think she even got like an A or a B rating from the NRA originally. Yeah, because she lied to them, and they want they 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 bought her line of malarkey. Uh, well, copyright Joe Biden, by the way. It's a copyrighted <laughs> phrase owned by him. But yeah, I remember she t- told us all that she slept with a shotgun or a rifle. Can't remember which under her bed. Which, of course, is just a bunch of hooey. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so, so that was that was the first kind of political positive that came out of that. We've got Cuomo on record saying centralized control isn't the answer. Um, we have him and others also saying government red tape is not good. It slows things down. It makes things costly. Um, so, so these these are some good things. These are positive things. People are starting to realize and starting to hear from people. Um, that they listen to that, hey, maybe this isn't the answer. And hopefully that resonates through um, for people well beyond um, this coronavirus issue here. The the other thing that I want to emphasize on a political level is this shows that Medicare for all is not the answer. And many of you listening to the show already knew this. Um, you already agree with this. But there have been a lot of posts I've seen on Facebook of people saying, well, you know, this this is why we need Medicare for all. This is why we need this or that. Uh, no, look at Europe. Look at Italy. Like, they have single-payer health care. Um, look at what's going on over there. That did not solve this issue. And I think it's really important that everybody pay attention to this and recognize this, that Medicare for all would not have resolved this and the people in a single-payer system right now are very much suffering, um, and it's a big problem for them. Yeah, and I think going hand-in-hand hand with this whole thing, Andrew, is the, the, the level of hysteria you're hearing from the media. Obviously, look, I'm not, I'm not diminishing the threat the coronavirus poses because it, it could potentially be a problem uh, if, it, if it gets allowed to get out of hand. But the, the, the frantic coverage— 
on a lot of media outlets is is over the top, and and it contributes to an unhealthy atmosphere for people. For example, it's it's really fueling a lot of this this uh, this crazy hoarding that's going on. Uh, it, it's really hard to go into a grocery store these days. I got to tell you, or you know, a general merchandise store like Do- Dollar General or CVS, and that's all driven by the media. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. And and one of the things I would definitely say about that is, um, you know, that that kind of contributes to that whole thought of perception is truth, where the the actual virus itself may not be as bad as we think it is, or as bad. Um, is the media is portraying it to be, but we're suffering in other ways with shortages, um, with, I think we're going to see some, some economic issues from this. Absolutely. And that's, that's one of the reasons why I think it's important for us to look at some of the positives here, um, and, and talk about these issues and talk about how we can make this experience better and deal a little less with the media hysteria and maybe deal a little bit more with common sense and coming out of this as best as we can possibly be. Yeah, I mean, an example of what I'm talking about is uh, we had this breathless report this morning that over the weekend we went from two cases of coronavirus in Monroe County to 10. Uh, and one of the cases included somebody who works as a some kind of a worker at the, at the friendly home on East Avenue. Well, now... We had a big press conference mid-morning about the first case of coronavirus in Ontario County. So, yep, yep. okay, so it's spread over to Ontario County, you think. Well, it turns out that one of the 10 cases over the weekend was this person who works at the Friendly Home who lives in Victor. So uh, are we double reporting the, this single corona case? As Are we double counting that because... It, it looks, it appears that we're counting this person as, uh, you know, who lives in Victor as an Ontario County case. And it's also being racked up as a Monroe County case because she works at the friendly home. Mm. Yeah, no, it, it totally, uh, that, that could totally be the, <laughs> the case there. Um, I, I think that the media stands to gain a lot from this. Absolutely. In terms of people being glued to the media, glued to, what they're reporting, constantly checking in and commenting on their stuff, pumping their advertising dollars, um, pumping their viewership. Maybe people are even subscribing now to the news um, for that monthly membership access so that they can get more up-to-date reports. Um, Yeah, I I see that as a possibility. I'm sure the media um, is seeing a huge uptick from the sensationalism here. And uh, I I totally think that's possible, hundred percent. So you got to you, you know you got to approach some of the media reports here with a little bit of skepticism. I think you should have respect for the fact that the virus is out there, but you know this is not the greatest health threat that is that's facing the country or the world right now. I'm sorry, yeah, no, it's I, just not. I agree. I, I think if you look at the numbers, this is probably one of the minimal impact ones in terms of health. But I think in terms of the economy and some of those other things we're going to see, the reactions that government has taken and the other people have taken, um, it's probably going to have the worst economic impact of of anything we've seen in a long time. Right. And I I wonder how justified some of that is, Uh, because, Uh, uh, you know, to, 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 to stop all of the commerce. Uh, to the, look, I, I, I understand we're trying to announce a prevention here, and I, I applaud that. 
but I, I also don't want to overreact. And you know, if folks out there, you know, listening right now want to know what they can do about this whole thing, okay, first of all, stop going out and hoarding stuff. Right there. Stop doing that. It's not necessary. There's going to be plenty of food. There's going to be plenty of toilet paper. All you're doing is inconveniencing everybody else and forcing people to, to go into social situations they don't need to be in. Because, look, if, if, if you're freaked out about the fact that there's no toilet paper and you repeatedly drive down to the store to check on the toilet paper su- supply, um, you're, you're exposing yourself. You know, you're, you've, you've got social interaction that's unnecessary going on. So stop doing that. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that um, this latest action, people are going to start being kind of afraid to travel. So I, I think we're going to see a lot less of that. Um, the other thing that we're seeing, and this kind of checks in under political, is guns and ammo are flying off the shelves. I mean, and it's it's not just conservatives buying guns. You know, it's people on the left, people on the right, people in the middle. Um, people are starting to wonder... Uh, if I call 911 and the police are busy with somebody else, who's responsible for me and my family? Oh, I am. Yeah, we're and gonna, are we going to have toilet paper holdups? That's what I want to know. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Yeah, somebody coming in and said, you know, give me your Charmin, your Charmin or your life. You know, he's like a gun in your face. Yep, could, could be. So people are starting to prepare for that too. Self-defense is becoming a, uh, a recognized thing across political ideologies again. All right, guys, you're listening to Radio Free New York. I'm your host, Andrew Hollister. We're going to take a break. We'll be back in a moment. You're listening to Radio Free New York. All right. Welcome back to Radio Free New York. I'm your host, Andrew Hollister. We're talking about some positive takeaways that we can take away from what's going on here with coronavirus. Uh, But before we do, I want to give a shout out to Garrett um, from YouTube. He, over the weekend, decided to support Radio Free New York on Patreon. So, Garrett, thank you very much for that. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I I definitely appreciate it when... uh, when you guys listen to the show and think that um, that you like the content enough to go over to Patreon and say, yeah, I want to support the show and sign up for a couple bucks a month, definitely helps us out. So I, I appreciate that so much. And, it, you know, ironically, Garrett is in here in the comments like almost every single day. Um, and I don't see him today, so hopefully uh, hopefully he jumps in. If I see him later in the show, I'll give him another shout-out. Maybe waiting um, in line for toilet paper. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, could could be. Um, so that uh, just, just wanted to say thank you about that. Um, so mo- kind of moving on here, I, I do want to talk um, about some of the community highlights that I've seen over the weekend, um, maybe starting Thursday even. Um, I'm seeing young people who are at low risk um, for getting the coronavirus stepping up online, offering to go shopping for high risk individuals, saying, hey, if you're high risk, if you're elderly or immune compromised or something like that, um, send me a shopping list. I'll go do the shopping for you so you don't have to risk being exposed. Um, and I will you know, drop the stuff off for you at your porch or something like that and, and help you out in ways that I can because I'm, I'm healthier. Um, I, I think that's amazing. I, I think that's so cool that, um, 
that people are standing up and doing this. I'm seeing college students, you know, colleges are being shut down. They're not in class and they're saying, hey, um, I can go out. I can do something. I can help with this. This is what I want to do. Um, and, and I'm seeing other people do similar things. I'm seeing stay-at-home moms stepping up and saying, hey, if your school is closed, I'm watching my kids during the day, I'd be happy to watch your kids too. And um, so these are some of the things I'm starting to see that is just really cool, really awesome um, ways for people to reach out and be a positive beacon in their community at a time when people are scared and nervous and fearful. Um, so, so I think that that is a really cool thing. Um, some of the other things I'm seeing, I'm seeing people post about small businesses. They're concerned about you know, their local small businesses being negatively impacted by this. And they're saying, hey, um, how can I help a small business? Who's a small business near me that I can buy something from or do something for to make sure that um, while times are hard, our small businesses are still taken care of? So I, I think this is just like a really cool thing. Um, and I encourage people to keep doing it. I mean, this, this is a way to give people hope in a time that they're unsure about things, give them a little bit of stability, and also just kind of build up your local community. So um, I, I thought that was way cool. And, and I've seen multiple, multiple people um, posting about this sort of thing, which is just kind of nice to see that society isn't necessarily crumbling. Instead, people are getting closer together. Yeah. And, and again, you know, for the sake of uh, repetition here, don't go out in the horde because that puts you in a situation which is exactly the polar opposite of what the, the, the sort of social responsibility and individual initiative that Andrew just referred to. Because <clears throat> if you go out and you, you try to hoard in school, in uh, uh, stores rather, you're going to get into fist fights and arguments with people and all kinds of other adversarial situations that, that, that do not contribute to resolving this situation. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Another cool thing that I've been seeing is um, these little Facebook community groups popping up all over Monroe County and other counties across the state. Um, and they're, they're like food pantry and supplies groups, you know, people saying, hey, um, if you know somebody who needs baby formula, let us know, we'll find somebody who's got it. If, if you need toilet paper, if you need food, and there are people who are posting, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm short on this thing. And then you see a few other people comment, hey, I've got some extra, I'd love to get it to you, where can I drop it off? Um, so just seeing the community come together is just like a really beautiful thing. And I think that there are many people who are going to come out of this, um, much better as people. And I think the community is going to come out of this much better as well as a result of like these type of actions. Obviously, if, uh, if you're treating this like Black Friday and you're, you know, getting into fights with security at the store and stuff over a watermelon or something, um, you know, you're not going to come out of this better and society's not going to come out of this better. But if you're taking the action that these other people are doing, where they're, they're going to their neighbors and saying, hey, if you need anything, let me know. I, I might have the ability to help you um, and really building up your community. I, I think that neighborhoods in general in New York and the people of New York are going to come together much closer. And, and not just New York, too. This is all across the country. Um, the other thing I want to talk about is businesses and, and some of the technology that I think is getting uh, just just a lot better 
um, I, I see that I've got customers now who are trying to figure out how can we better improve our business to overcome some of these economic hurdles that are coming in place? How do we better our customer service so that despite what's going on in the media, people feel comfortable calling us, they know that our quality of service is going to be good, that our customer service is going to be good, um, our employees want to service and take care of these people. Um, it, it's all good stuff. Um, I'm seeing businesses also working on just making hygiene better. You know, they're, they're having better organization and better cleanliness so that people are not afraid to come to their establishment. And I think these are all like really good things that businesses are taking the initiative to do. They're not doing it because the government told them to do it. They're doing it because they know they have to adapt to the market. And if they want people to come and patronize them, um, you know, they, they have to be cleaner, they have to have better service, and, and they have to have people feeling comfortable and safe coming into their establishments. And uh, the, the other cool thing, too, that, that I really like is I'm seeing a lot of businesses work towards that work-from-home model, which I think really allows employees to focus better on work. For the most part, there are exceptions. There are some people that work much better in a controlled environment, um, but statistics have shown for years that employees that work from home um, are happier, and because they're happier, they're more productive, they get more work done, they give better customer service, better quality of work, um, and, and, and a couple like really cool health benefits too. But I think up until this point, a lot of businesses have been really resistant to allowing employees to work from home because it takes away a little bit of control. And as a business owner, I understand that fear. Um, I actually run my business uh, probably a lot more laid back than most business owners are comfortable with. Um, but we're very successful with that model. And statistically, businesses who run a little bit more of a laid back model with work to home, work from home options are more successful. And I think this is actually going to help some of our small businesses break into something that they were afraid of. And I think it's only going to make their businesses better, more resilient, and their employees happier long term. So I'm uh, pretty excited about that, too. I'm looking forward to this wrapping up and getting back to normal at the earliest possible time. I'm sure that all the rest of you are as well. But, oh, yeah. you know, we in order to get to that place, we all have to pull together and we have to exercise, you know, common sense restraint and good practices. Namely, washing your hands, not going anywhere when you're sick, uh, social distance, um, you know, uh, all the things that have been harped on uh, in, uh, in the media. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And I'll leave you guys with, uh, with one more thing that's uh, kind of cool. It's going to happen. Uh, I don't know if it's going to continue on afterwards, but New York State is actually going to allow off-premises sale of alcohol. Um, so those of you who have a liquor license, I, I don't know, maybe you can do DoorDash, Uber Eats, or something like that from the liquor store. That That's kind of like a cool new age thing where liquor stores could actually use technology. Um, I'm not so much excited that it's liquor stores. I'm, I'm more so excited that it's loosening some regulations that could help other businesses in the future. Maybe we find out, hey, this isn't such a bad idea. We should let other industries do this as well. 
So uh, those are a couple of the positives on a, you know, a community aspect and on a business aspect. We're going to take our break here on Radio Free New York. When we come back, I've got a couple more positives to hit for you guys. We'll be back in a moment on Radio Free New York. Radio Free New York. All right. Welcome back to Radio Free New York. I'm your host, Andrew Hollister. We're talking about positives with coronavirus, things that you can look at and think, oh, well, you know, this is something that was good that came out of this situation. Um, Right before we took the break, I had mentioned that uh, New York State's going to allow off-premises alcohol sales. And uh, Jay uh, on Facebook says they're only doing it for the tax revenue. Jay, you're 100% correct. Um, Government rarely does the right thing for the right reason. And Cuomo did actually say that their budget, their everything, their projections uh, is way, way over um, what they anticipated taking in. So um, tax revenue is down substantially. I actually think that that's part of why Cuomo is starting to shut down parts of the government. I I don't believe that it has as much to do with um, reducing uh, people's interactions. I think it has a lot more to deal with. They are so severely underfunded right now because they're not bringing in the tax dollars they need to that they are going to be in even more trouble than we normally are, which is saying a lot. So, um, so the, the other thing I want to bump in here is uh, education and talk about the positive piece on education. It's, uh, it's pretty important to, to talk about this for a few reasons. One is I think people are starting to become open to homeschooling. And I think that that's a really, really positive thing. I, I really like the idea of homeschooling. I know some people are so opposed to homeschooling um, because they, they feel like the education given in homeschool isn't as good. Um, maybe that the kids are not going to be social and work well in society. That's been debunked six yeah. ways to Sunday. That's just, oh, that's just not the case. And, and the people who really oppose um, uh, homeschooling are doing it for on a political agenda. That, that's because they like the fact that government schools are uh, acting as a conveyor belt to indoctrinate our kids, and homeschooling is a threat to that. So, of course, they oppose that. Yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely on board. I actually I was homeschooled only one year of my education. I had kind of a weird thing. I had gone to private school, homeschool, and public school. So I have different different things I like about each of them. Um, but I, I really do support homeschool. I hope that a lot of people sit here through um, this situation and go, you know what, I'm open to homeschooling. I think that's something I want to do. Um, I think that it could just be an amazing thing for our state. Um, and, and then the next thing, too, is being that schools are now going to remote, which I think is going to make um, – is going to make some long-term impacts that that can help us moving forward. One of which is, I think, long-term, it's going to reduce costs. I don't think it's going to reduce costs right away. I think things are actually going to cost more going to remote, um, especially in terms of technology, software licensing, that sort of thing. So I'm I'm a little worried about that, but I think long-term, um, there has been a push to do remote education. 
I think people are now open to it. And I think that long term, we're going to see that that could be a really positive thing. Yeah, there's uh, all kinds of uh, community support for homeschooling. If you're considering it for your kid, the uh, you're not on your own. There's uh, there, there are parents groups. There's the HSLC. There's uh, a lot. Just go online and you'll be amazed at the various resources that there are to support you. One of the things you'll find, too, is that the school day is tremendously shorter uh, as opposed to, you know, when your kids go to government schools. Yeah, yeah. No, no, absolutely. And I, I think the other thing is you can just teach so much richer content um, and you can teach in a way that the child actually learns Whereas government regulations and schools really kind of force children to have to learn in one specific way. And that just might not be the way that child works. It might not be the way that child learns. Um, And I've said for years now that there are two people who know how a child learns best. The first being the child's parent and the secondary being that teacher that works with a child every day. And why would we ever take somebody in Albany hundreds of miles away and let them decide how your child learns? Um, It should really be a local thing. And I I think this is going to give people that opportunity to have that connection with their children, um, interact with them, and help them learn things in a way they just may have never learned in school. No, I think that's that's all great. Uh, the, The concern is that if this starts to gather ahead of steam, it starts to really get some momentum going that you're going to see, I, I think you'll see government education regulators and educrats come down on it like a ton of bricks. Oh, sure. Yeah, well, they're, they're already um, under funds as it is well before the coronavirus came in. Enrollment is down severely, especially from just population drop because so many people are leaving the state. Um, so, yeah, education is definitely already in trouble. This is going to push education in a better direction but it won't necessarily be a better direction for government schools. And they're going to find some sort of way to try to adapt and overcome. Yeah, they'll try to regulate it. Yep, they'll try to – you're going to see invasive regulation. And uh, you're going to find some some parents who are maybe uh, pursuing a politically incorrect agenda from the perspective of uh, state education uh, regulators. Uh, You're going to see somebody being made an example out of. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt, but that will more than likely happen. Um, Some other positive things a little bit outside of education are that uh, I think once all this blows over, I I think it's going to get a little bit worse before it gets better, to be honest. I think that... uh, With the coronavirus, you mean? uh, Just just kind of the societal reaction in general. Um, I, I think that we're looking at... Uh, after restaurants and bars get closed down, I, I kind of feel like government might restrict things a little bit more throughout the week before things get loosened up again. Um, and I think after that happens, I think society as a whole is going to have a little bit more of a renewed appreciation for face-to-face interactions, traveling within their community, um, taking things like road trips, Um, I kind of feel like people are going to have a new appreciation for that, especially because the weather will be just a little bit nicer, hopefully. Um, And and so I I definitely see this as one of these things where people are starting to isolate themselves indoors um, because they're afraid. And I, I see them missing that social interaction. And when all this blows over, them coming out and wanting to be 
even more engaged with their community, um, more engaged with their neighborhoods, maybe uh, take on some additional activism, um, do something like gardening, uh, all sort of that stuff. I, I think it's going to give people um, just a little bit of a, a push back into a social direction. Well, we can always hope. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I yeah. Mean, the, uh, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, I mean, or or it could go the exact opposite exactly, way, which I, yeah. I did think about this too, where people maybe sit there and realize that, you know what, they really don't like interacting with society and their phone is more entertaining than people that they come into contact with. And, and maybe they dive even deeper into uh, being antisocial. Um, but I'm, I'm optimistic about it. I, I think that people are going to want social interaction. When this I, is just, all done. I, I just look at social media and I see that as a as a, a surrogate in many cases for some people as opposed to real societal interaction. Yeah, I, I think, and, and I could be totally wrong here, you know, this is solely my opinion, but I think that a week in isolation with nothing but social media is going to leave people wanting more, having a social interaction void, um, and, and maybe they'll even be sick and tired of Facebook and Instagram by then. I, I could be totally wrong. I mean, social media is kind of like a drug. People might just come out even more addicted to it. Um, that's also a possibility. Now, from the numbers that I've seen, the use of social media is not as universal as uh, conventional wisdom would have you believe. Mm. It, certainly, uh, it certainly has a big presence out there, no question about it. But it's, uh, most of the use is by a relatively small number of subscribers. Interesting. Yeah, no, that, that is interesting. I think I do remember um, early last year, Facebook having like their first ever quarter where they either went down or remained constant in, uh, in users. So that, that may be social media might be on the downturn. All right, guys, you're listening to Radio Free New York. I'm your host, Andrew Hollister. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back same time, same place tomorrow.